Café Rollist is your caffeinated tabletop RPG break. It started as our exclusive Patreon show, but following a survey with our supporters, I am happy now to share its most recent episode here with you. If you enjoy this show, please consider checking out our archive of a hundred or so additional episodes, which are still exclusive on Patreon. Hello, welcome to Café Rollist. Uh, I'm here today with the author, I actually don't remember Nizat well enough to remember the name, Arlan Corbin? No, that's a real novelist. Who are you? <laughs> I'm Craig Campbell, um, and I'm the owner and lead designer at Nerdburger Games, um, and I make role-playing games and uh, do podcasts and streams and things like this, and um, and I'm uh, doing a little online convention in a month or so. So um, we got in touch over Twitter um, and talked briefly. Uh, it, it's possible that you will be bringing some uh, some events to the convention. Yeah, yeah. It, work it would be there, uh, I hope it would be a nice little warm up to Virtually Expo, which is the the replacement for the big convention here, UK Games Expo, which is not happening. Uh, so like Gen Con, like Origins, or uh, like how Origins was supposed to, we're having a, a virtual version. And, uh, and I'm having a tour of all the online conventions to, uh, to make demonstrations of my, uh, my game, Paris Gondo, the life-saving inventoring of magic. So, but tell me what is, oh, no, wait, first let's use our, uh, we were just talking about, uh, all the joyous things happening in the world right now. Uh, this spin-off of my main show started with the lockdown and I've got a couple ice-breaking questions. The first one is, uh, what's your routine like at the moment? Um, well, I'm in the States and I'm in the South. Um, so if you know anything about how the United States kind of breaks down, the South is heavily conservative and it's heavily, uh, kind of in support of, um, certain people in the administration right now. And, uh, governors lean, um, toward, uh, kind of following guidelines there. So yeah, we, uh, we, we, everything, uh, got locked down for a few weeks a while back and then we opened everything back up. And I'm sure that, you know, like in the world news, you're seeing that. Oh, the United States is having these huge spikes in COVID-19 cases, um, in particular certain states. And a lot of those states are ones that locked down and then opened up too quickly. Um, the problem, the, the situation, my, my situation personally is I was working from home for a while. Um, I'm back working in the office now. I am lucky, um, in that, um, I work in an office. It's a very small office. There's only a handful of us and we're all very spread out. Um, and so I, and I live alone. Um, so my, my, <laughs> I am kind of naturally socially distanced, um, just by the circumstances of my, uh, my home and what my workspace is normally like. Um, but so outside of that, otherwise I'm not, you know, I'm not going out and about too much. I'm, I'm online a lot with, uh, as far as social interaction, things like this. So yeah, that's I, where I'm at. I just, just figuring that this is probably going to be the case for a while. Yes, it feels like that. We were having, uh, actually saw for the first time people I knew in fifth month. Uh, last weekend they came over for my birthday. We were supposed to go in the park so we would be distancing each other and then the weather was terrible and yeah, we managed. We kept all masks on and so on, but 
Uh, yeah, different people have different views on that. Uh, my my father sent me a beautiful birthday wishes video where they were all with a group of friends together, uh, shoulder to shoulder, to sing me happy birthday. And I was like, no, <laughs> stay apart no. from each other. <laughs> but yeah, he would not have appreci- appreciated me uh, commenting uh, upon that. Uh, so yeah, we've, here we've been in a bubble for, for five months. My wife is working from home. I'm unemployed. Uh, my son just resumed nursery and they got a whole bunch of measures at the nursery. You, I bring my son. They change his clothes. Uh, it's, um, it's quite impressive. They kept in bubbles of four children's. So yeah, we're quite lucky that they, they managed to, to pull that off. Uh, have you picked up any new hobbies, skills, or interests lately? <laughs> um, well, I mean, the, 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 uh, like the, the lack of social going out and doing things, um, and, you know, not going to game conventions and stuff like that has allowed me to spend more time <laughs> in, uh, my RPG design stuff, which is just kind of a side gig. I mean, I, ha- I have a day job, um, and I do this, uh, and I design games on the side. And so I've, I've kind of thrown myself into that quite a bit. Um, and with the lack of, um, conventions that are available, um, and just, you know, just online stuff, that's pretty much all that's happening now. I decided to, uh, originally I thought, well, I'll just do like a game day. I'll just get like some of the fans of my stuff and maybe some friends and stuff. And we'll just get some people together on Saturday and play a bunch of games. Um, and I decided to take a stab at trying to make it into, um, an actual, like little, you know, it's, it's not going to be terribly large, um, kind of online convention. And I, I sound like, you know, I've brought this up twice and I sound like I'm shilling and I am a little bit. Um, but that's like that, that's the hobby that came up. It's like, I'm suddenly like, you know, I'm, I'm not going out. So what can I do? That's, you know, more or less online given that, uh, um, uh, you know, given my involvement in the RPG community. So, so that's the very first edition of nerd burger con then. Yeah, and it, it may it may be the only one. We'll see how it works out. <laughs> I'm just hoping that it. I, just, I thought I'd give it a shot. You know, I figured I've got the time available to plan for it. I know that there are people out there who would appreciate uh, an outlet to uh, to try out some new games and to maybe meet some people and kind of build uh, the online community a little more. Um, so I figured I'd give it a shot and see what happens. Well, you got a nice uh, a roster of people. I noticed that a few names I know. <clears throat> I'm not not much of a streaming consumer, but I saw you had Little Red Dot, uh, the Broadsword, I think, and somebody else I knew, Daniel Quam. Unfortunately, I asked the Broadswords. Um, unfortunately, they are li- really tied up with all sorts of other things. Um, but uh, yeah, and it, admittedly, the. Uh, the roster of guests for streamers and designers um, skews a bit toward um, American folks, but uh, I, I've pulled a handful of um, people from around uh, the around the world outside of the U.S. as well. But um, um, and a lot of them are like people that I've gotten to know um, over the past couple of years, and you know, some of them like with the streamers, some of them have run some of my stuff or had just otherwise been very supportive, um, and then among the um, the RPG designers, um, there's uh, uh, some of them are just friends that I've known that I've made in the industry, and then other people, others are recommendations from friends that I've made in the industry. And I said, okay, I want to try to have like a nice, broad, diverse group. I want to, you know, uh, uh, 
show off some design um, voices that don't necessarily get um, a lot of uh, uh, publicity and, and, you know, like just sing- people that are working, you know, by themselves, that they're just doing their thing. They don't have a marketing budget or a marketer or anything like that. It's just a chance to, um, to bring a bunch of different types of games together and say, like, I'd, I'd like to see if I have, like, let's say if I had 50 events, I'd like it to be like 25 different games. Um, so that it's not like a, you know, a, a convention that focuses on just two or three game systems, but it, you know, it's an opportunity to go in and try out like, Oh, I, I've never heard of this. Let me, this sounds interesting. Let me try that. Or here's a thing that I've, I've heard about, but I've never had the chance to play. And now I can finally play it. So is it, what's going to happen? Are there panels? Are there streams? Uh, what shape is it taking? What, what are all these great people, uh, who are coming, uh, going to do? I expect it to be heavy on games. There'll be a lot of game sessions of like two hours, four hour um, game events. Um, people have asked to do streams. There's already some people that have submitted some ideas for streams. Um, <clears throat> there'll be uh, 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 stream stuff. Um, there'll be panels. Um, people have submitted some ideas for panels. Um, as far as the streams go, I'm kind of leaving that with the streamers to decide what they want to do. Like if they have a favorite game that they want to try to, you know, they'll, they'll advertise it as a game event. People can sign up for it. No, go go into it knowing that it's going to be streamed, um, so that uh, you know there are no surprises. We don't want somebody who, you know, is uh, a little shy or doesn't want to have their face out on the internet <laughs> to sign up for those events. There will be plenty of other events that they can play. Um, and then the hope too is is to have um, on the Discord um, to have um, a variety of um, support and. Um, uh, social spaces like there'll be um, chat room, uh, uh, like voice chat and text chat rooms where you know you can just come get together and talk about geeky stuff or games or whatever. Um, and there'll be um, a channel that's just for um, organizing impromptu games. So, like if somebody comes in and says, Well, hey, I didn't get a chance to submit an event, but I'd really love to run this game. Are there any players that want to sit down? Let's let's play this. I'm ready to go right now. Or, you know, can we get together in an hour and play? Um, so it's uh, it's a shotgun approach. Like I'm trying a whole bunch of different things, and we'll hope hopefully uh, um, it'll be a little bit of something for everybody. So that's August 14th, 15th. What are the dates again? Um, August 14, 15, and 16. Um, and it's going to be the, the the times are based out of the U.S. Um, but I tried to make sure that we're um, that on Saturday and Sunday that the, the hours that we're running are long enough that it will at least coincide a little bit okay, like people in Europe or um, out in the Pacific, uh, Pacific, you know, the, the uh, like Southeast Asia and so forth, will be able to you know sneak in a game at like the beginning or the end <laughs> that where, where it coincides well with their timing. Um, so yeah, fr- Friday, it'll just be like 6 p.m. Eastern into the evening. And then Saturday, it'll be like from 10 o'clock in the morning all the way through to midnight. And then Sunday, it'll be 10 in the morning until 6 p.m. So that those people who have uh, nine to five jobs on Monday can be wrapped up and uh, spend some time with their families maybe on Sunday evening um, before they have to go back to work. Um, and then the, the events themselves will be spread out over all of those. I, I plan to have uh, events starting um, on every even hour. And I'll be spreading them all out. So like any given even hour, there will be, you know, two, three, four, five events, depending on uh, what people's availability and and their preferences for when they can run 
and host events. Are you are you going to run stuff yourself or are you going to be running uh, left and right to make sure everybody's having <laughs> fun? Uh, because I organize a few things and uh, often it is the second more of the former. Yeah, I've, um, I've, I've gotten a number of volunteers to help and who have offered up, including some people who are willing to be kind of help desk um, on Saturday and Sunday. So they're going to be available during uh, big chunks of the day to uh, answer questions and make sure everything runs smoothly. So I, I hope to run a couple of my games um, probably Friday night. I'll just manage it and make sure everything runs smoothly to kick off. And then sat I'll, I'll schedule myself to run something on Saturday and to run something on Sunday. And then I'll have um, volunteers that'll kind of help cover those times when I'm not available. But I, I also hope to, you know, just be in the chat rooms and um, maybe play in a game <laughs> too, where I'll just like, if I, if I play a game, I'll make sure to let the GM know like, Hey, I'm the organizer here. I might have to pop out to handle something, um, which is easier to do if I'm playing um, than if I'm running anything. So if whatever I run will probably be shorter games, I'll probably just run like two hour games just so that I'm not away from things for too long. Um, but some of my, some of the games that I've designed will get run by um, some of uh, other people that are that are fans of the games. Cool. Uh, and it's I, not there. There will be there will be some of my games, but it won't be like all my games. The idea again is to bring um, a lot of other people. So, so it's not NerdBurgerCon. You can come and participate, and but you all have to run Craig's games. That's all. That's all which is um, <laughs> available. Well, nothing, nothing but capers all day. Like seventy <laughs> slots of one game. No, no. Um, I expect there'll be, you know, four, five, six slots of of my stuff, and then it'll be all everybody else. Cool. Well, so, and, and and I'm hope I'm hoping to see thirty or forty slots at least. Well, I fancy myself uh, the title of the least knowledgeable podcasters of the hobby. So t <laughs> tell me about your game. Tell me or game or games uh, if you have several. So what do you have on offer? Um. Well, uh, the, the, probably the flagship game is called Capers. Um, that's the, the big one. It, I, uh, did a, um, a, a core book for that and three supplements. The third one is almost done. Is it about um, cooking a good putanesca sauce for pasta? <laughs> Not that kind of caper. Um, capers, uh, well, the, the, the term capers actually has a few different meanings in the game, but basically it's, um, it's super powered gangsters during the roaring twenties. So it's a little American centric, but if, uh, even if you're not from the U S, um, and don't necessarily know much about history, the game kind of gives you the background of that era in the U S. Um, and if you've seen gangster movies and, uh, or if you've seen, uh, Boardwalk Empire from HBO or any of that kind of stuff, you, you know, you have a sense, a lot of people have a sense of what the, so it's kind of the the spirit also, I guess. Uh. Yeah, it's the idea is that you're playing the the game is set in 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 the Roaring Twenties in the 1920s in the U.S. when alcohol was effectively illegal. Um, prohibition was in place for 13 years and made pretty much everything about alcohol illegal, um, and that of course caused um, the organized crime industry within the U.S. to uh, explode. Um, there was organized crime before prohibition. Organized crime became what we know it to be in the U.S. because of prohibition, because it was so lucrative. Um, and so you're playing gangster characters living in that in sort of a romanticized version of that world, because in real life, those people were murderous thugs. They were terrible people. 
um, for the most part. And so it, it, this is kind of playing the movie version of that, um, where you're looking to build your empire or take out rivals or, um, and you can potentially play, you know, law enforcement as well. But in that era, law enforcement was heavily underfunded, undermanned, like they, they, they couldn't keep up with, uh, the, uh, the criminal element that, that came out of prohibition. They weren't prepared for it at all. So it's kind of a losing battle. So what does it look like in terms of, of system? Uh, what, what's the focus of it? Uh, I developed my own uh, mechanics for the game, and it uses um, playing cards rather than dice. So every player, in, in the GM included, each of you has your own deck of playing cards, um, kind of your standard poker-style deck uh, with two jokers in it. Um, and it's a... Uh, essentially a, a like a press your luck system where you will have based on your character stats you'll be able to flip one or more cards um and you flip one card at a time and determine whether you're going to stick with that card or risk and go for a better card um and the pip value of the card determines success versus failure the suit of the card determines the degree of success or failure so you could flip a very high card that has a low degree of success like an Like the king of clubs. The king is probably very good, but clubs is the worst suit. So you're barely successful. So do you want to try to get something that's better, more successful? Um, so you can flip another card and you risk um, failing in getting a card that won't succeed at all. So um, each each trait check that you make is like sort of its own little gambling press your luck game. So was that a, a what well, I assume you, you, you picked... A system using cards uh, because you you liked the the concept of it, or was it uh, also to be in tune with the game? The 1920s gangsters they often playing cards at the back or uh, in the speakeasy and this sort of things. Huh? It ended up kind of being a little bit of both. It was initially it was a personal challenge to just try to do something with playing cards because um, I knew I, I I've played plenty of games with dice. I know a lot of different dice systems. Um, I had been a big fan of the Deadlands game, the original Deadlands game, which uses playing cards to for, for part of the mechanics. And I thought, well, what about doing a game that was, you know, utilized playing cards for the whole mechanical system? Um, and so it was kind of a challenge. And then as I got going, I realized, well, this is also, you know, thematically perfect for the 20s with uh, with illegal gambling dens and so forth. And so you're playing a you're playing a card game um, to determine success and failure for your character. Uh, and there were all sorts of little interesting things that come out of um, working with decks of cards because the, the composition of the deck is always changing. So the history of the deck kind of becomes a thing. Like as you play, you might be flipping a lot of low cards. So now you know you've got a lot of high cards left in the deck. So you might be a little, you might take more risks because you know that. Um, and, uh, and I also did not expect this, but I noticed very early that playing the game at the table becomes a lot like playing craps or black. Well, not blackjack, but craps. Um, I apologize, everybody. The train is going by. <laughs> um, but it's a lot like uh, at the craps table where everybody kind of bets with or against the shooter. And so at the table, you're playing characters that are cooperating with each other. So you're kind of cheering for um, the other players to, to flip good cards. So like you get a lot of, people that really get into watching what other people's decks are doing and like you know if they're going to flip somebody's like not sure if they're going to flip another card and somebody next to him is saying go go flip 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 you've got lots of face cards left in the deck oh go go 
Um, so there's, uh, there's an engagement at the table that uh, tends to come out that was unexpected, but is really fun. So you were saying that the, the team of the, the game was there before the system somewhat. Uh, what was that team at first and what did it develop into? Was it something, okay, the, that, is it a concept and it's to the, the players and the game master to seize it? Or is it, do you have a somewhat exhaustive setting which you developed behind it? Um, I, I developed uh, a pretty comprehensive setting. Um, now, certainly you can build up uh, your own setting in different cities. Um, but like in the game, in the book, um, I, I described New York, Chicago, and Atlantic City in quite a bit of depth. Um, and then uh, there's like one page write-ups on a bunch of other cities that are just like enough information for your characters to go to that city or at least to give you a starting point if you wanted to like, I want to run a game that's in Miami and, and have, uh, you know, imports coming in from Cuba um, and bringing liquor in from the, from the, from the Caribbean islands. Um, and so uh, the, the setting is, is fairly well developed, but it's not so deeply developed that you can't just build something of your own. So, um, and then there's a lot of GM tools in the book that are, um, that are just generic. Like here's a whole bunch of just generic NPCs type, type, you know, basic types of NPCs that you can plug into any city that you're playing in or any city that you're creating. So what you liked with the, that topic was, I mean, what, do you like, do you, did you like the, the concept and, uh, run away with it? Or are you especially interested in the, the actual history of things, of things, uh, unraveled over the years and, uh, how much stuff from actual history did, did you put in your game? Was it one of the goal of the, your game to, uh, maybe to inform people a bit, uh, about what was going on, about sometimes interesting, uh, bits of history that, uh, we, we're missing out. I, I'm a big fan of history stuff. I love listening to, to podcasts like You Must Remember This, for instance. And it, it's oh, quite yeah. fascinating to hear. Yeah, what the 1920s were, were like for, for movie stars even. Uh, the, the life they had, uh, was, was quite terrible <laughs> compared to all, uh, contemporary standards. Uh, so, yeah, what, what about, uh, capers? What was it, uh, what, what was the, the goal ultimately when you started it? Uh, well, I, since it is a game with superpowers in it, it's certainly ob obviously an alternate history. Like it's not, it's not wholly like our own, um, history. And the, the characters that are presented in there, there's a lot of characters who are drawn right from history. Like, uh, Lucky Luciano and, um, Al Capone and characters like these are in the game. Um, and some of them are super powered and some of them are not. Um, but then I also, like, I didn't want, I wanted the game to be kind of like a fun shoot 'em up gangster game and not be necessarily, um, uh, bogged down with like, you know, it was the twenties and racism was rampant. Not that it isn't now, right? But racism was rampant and women who, women had just gotten the right to vote in the United States. There was, uh, like homophobia was like off the charts. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, historically, uh, there's, there's a lot of, um, There's a lot of problems tied up in a lot of all of that. Um, and there are certainly games that can address those issues. I'm not the right person to write those games. Um, so this game presupposes the idea that um, basically, if you want to 
examine those themes, you can, but I didn't bake it into the game. I didn't force you to down that road with the game. Um, the game is intended to be much more inclusive. So there are characters that are gender flipped. There are characters that, you know, I created a lot of different, uh, of non white, you know, like pro- prohibition character, like a lot of the personalities that you know from prohibition are white guys, um, of Italian or Irish descent, occasionally Jewish. Um, in their 30s and 40s. That's what most of these guys are that, that you know, the ones that everybody knows. So I broadened that out and I created all sorts of other NPCs and um, characters uh, that are representing um, uh, a much wider spectrum of people because I want I want anybody to be able to look at the game and flip through it and see the artwork and see that it's, you know, it's, it's a much more varied culture and world that's presented in the game. The, uh, you know, the... You're going to be playing a superpowered character, which sets you apart. I, I didn't build in a lot of, um, well, you're also a woman that means certain things, or you're also Hispanic and that means certain things. Um, not that you can't explore those themes. I just didn't make it integral, um, to the game as presented. So is the game sort of standalone and you're done with it and you're moving on your next project or are you expanding it with supplements or campaigns, more adventures and things like that? Um, I did, I uh, did three supplements for the game. Um, and that the third one is coming out very shortly. I'm just waiting on a proof copy to make sure that it looks good. Um, and then that's done. That's, that's going to be the run of, of this campaign, um, of this, uh, game line. And what I did for the, each of the supplements was, um, this, the first supplement is called Capers Noir and it takes the storyline from the twenties up to the forties and transforms the game into, uh, like a crime noir game so it's um there it includes rules for uh, mysteries and um and there's 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 new stuff for players as to new powers new you know, character options and so forth and then there's like a new city that's presented in this case los angeles to set your kind of noir stories in um and a bunch of tools and things that go with that so the so the idea is that the supplement like it's got stuff that you can use in your capers game but it also be allows you to play like this other version of um superpowered criminals um, and cops. Um, basically, like, you, you'll come to see that each of the Capers books is like, it's basically cops and robbers with superpowers. Just different versions of cops and robbers. Um, and then the second supplement is uh, Capers Covert, which takes you to the 60s and everything becomes a uh, kind of James Bond era super spy versus super villain with superpowers. Nice. Um, so it's got rules for gadgets and vehicle chases um, and then uh, Las Vegas is presented as um, a city backdrop with all the casinos and everything. Um, uh, London gets a write up in there. <laughs> um, Swinging sixties, yeah, too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, like the the game has you know, stuff for players and players and GMs in general that you can use in the other um, games, but you can also play this super spy version. Um, and then the last one that's coming out is called Capers Off World, which is takes it back to the 20s but it's an alternate alternate of the 20s where all the all the cops and robbers with superpowers happens but we've also discovered space flight <laughs> and it's buck rogers slash flash gordon sort of retro future um science fiction so it's that kind of cheesy 20s and 30s pulp era um kind of sci-fi look and feel to it um so then of course that's got alien world so you can play alien species um, and it's like space cops and space robbers and 
Um, Cups and robbers in space. <laughs> in space with alcohol and other illegal substances from other planets. Um, and then that, <laughs> and then that, that book also has a section in it that also then kind of touches on time travel. So you can potentially use that to tie all of the settings together. Oh, so you wow. You could have characters that jump between eras. You could, you, know, you could potentially have characters that are the children of other characters who, you know, inherit their, their parents' powers or new powers. And, you know, you could, there's a lot of interesting things you could do with kind of jumping along between all the settings because Offworld gives you the guidelines for, for connecting everything. So did you manage to pull that off at your own table? Do you, do you run the game enough so you, you manage to tie everything together like that? <laughs> I've run some cam I've run some short campaigns, um, but I haven't run a really long-term one. And, and, and I've not run a campaign, a, a full campaign like that since I've been working in the supplements. Usually I end up running one shots, um, with the supplements because I'm play testing. Um, I'm play, uh, play testing specific elements. Um, I've got an idea in mind for something that I could do. Like if I could get it set up on a stream or something like that, maybe I'll do it as just, just, just a campaign with friends, but I think it could be interesting for a stream as well, which would actually tie everything together we'd start the characters in one place and we'd take them to different places i have i don't want to give anything away but i've got some interesting ideas about how you might be able to, to jump around and that would that would t take it you know very clearly into the realm of science fiction like okay now it's a time travel story um but that's okay you know time travel you know super you know like your, your comic books and, and comic book movies and everything there's always there's plenty of time travel and jumping between different worlds and different times yeah and resurrections of all kind uh, oh, you, yeah. whatever you want can happen uh, you mentioned you were working on a on a project at the moment so are you working on one of those supplements or is it yet another game uh has it been announced yet if it if it's a new one um i've been yeah i've been talking about it a little bit i've been working on it for about i don't um, a year maybe um well the the initial concept is older than that but like really working on it for about a year. Um, and uh, it's a, a game called tentatively titled Good Strong Hands. And it's a, it's a game of um, fantastical creatures and their human allies who are working to save their world from destruction at the hands of this faceless, malevolent entity called the Void. Um, and it draws inspiration from things like the never ending story, labyrinth, willow, legend, um, uh, dark crystal, uh, stuff like the, the, those kind of nostalgic fan, light, mostly light, lighthearted fantasy, um, stories from, it, does uh, the title universe. come from the never ending story? Because now that you said that, I, I remember the rock yeah. writer says something about, about his hands and, uh, oh, yeah, uh, powerless <laughs> he was to save the day, huh? Yeah, Rockbiter at one point, um, he saw the, the, in, in the never ending story, it's called the nothing. And he saw the nothing coming and he tried to stop it, but he couldn't. And he laments as he's very sad and he laments, um, to Atreyu that, um, they look like good, strong hands, don't they? Like he tried, um, and failed. So the, the hope is that, uh, the characters in this story will, um, uh, will succeed with their good, strong hands. Um, so it, it has, uh, hints of, um, you're, you know, you, it, the, you can't save the world alone. It's, it's about working together, about finding, um, 
friendships and being there with each other and doing this together as a group. Um, and, and everybody, you know, like everybody in the, if you're, if you're playing the game, you're playing a different, pl- different playbooks and each playbook is like a different fantastic race. Um, or what I'm referring to in the game as folk. Um, um, and then there's also humans and humans don't come from the world. They come from earth. They travel there like in some of these movies. Um, and so, um, you know, you play one of these, one of these characters, um, you have, it's a fairly simple game. You've got four traits that covers pretty much everything you do. And then everybody has some talents that allow them to kind of break the rules and do some interesting things. Um, but if you succeed too well, if you do too well, the void notices you and it attempts to corrupt you and tempt you down the path to become one of its minions. Um, and so it also becomes a, uh, uh, you know, it's a, characters have to make the choice. Players have to make the choice about whether or not their character is going, they're freely going to let their character be tempted down that road and gain power that could potentially be used to help stop the void, but endanger themselves and their friends in the process. Or are they going to re- simply resist it and keep themselves true and whole? Um, and so, uh, the game is intended. It doesn't have a lot of setting information. Um, I don't define the entire world. I define pieces of it to use for adventures. Um, but it's intended to be very much a, um, a, co- a collaborative storytelling game. Like each of the folk, there's a, like a, a couple of lines that describes what these folk are like on the sheet, on the character sheet. And then there's no history of the folk. There's no information about their society or what they, you know, not exact, exactly what they look like and how they act with each other, what their families are like, what their government or religion or anything like that is like. The idea would be that if you're playing, for example, a woodkin, um, uh, you would, as, as you played the game, you would define what that society is like and whether they have, um, a government and what kind of government it is and what their homes are like. Do they live in giant cities? Do they live in little towns? Are they nomadic? You know, what all that you, you, you'll define that as part of the story. Yeah, it's more a concept, and then you you put the skin you you want or you're inspired by, but by uh, on top of it. Then, right. The idea is that every time you play the game, you're you're given a, a toolbox of things that are kind of common, but then you'll create a whole new world every time, and then save that. Cool. So we actually had an episode of uh, one of our spin-off show, the the RPG Academy Film Studies, about the never-ending story. And uh, one of the things we discussed as part of this episode was uh, role-playing with children. Uh, is that something you had in mind when you developed that project? Or is it yeah, you adults playing children, but not necessarily a game for children to play? Um, it is addressed in the book. Uh, there is that dark side of like gaining corruption and becoming dark, you know, becoming dark as a character. Um, but I, during playtesting, I had multiple people say, well, like this, this would be, uh, you know, it's a simple enough game that you could play this with, with a lot of kids. And so there is a section in the, in the book that describes like, how would you do this if you wanted to play it with kids? So like, if you want to play it with kids and you don't want to focus on having that corruption stuff in there, just remove it. Just dump that part entirely. And then they, here's a couple of minor rules tweaks um, about like what you do instead of like when the void notices you, like when you get good successes and everything, instead of the potential of, of uh, gaining corruption, there's something else that's more fun for kids. Um, and they, so you don't have to play that that side of it up. Um, so I think the game uh, you know, is simple enough um, with kind of interesting enough characters and kind of fantastic looking um, little beings that you can play that it would be appealing um, 
two two children and, and families, you know, parents and, and kids to play together, um, or a group of siblings to play, um, and then they can they can uh, kind of tweak the rules a little bit to get rid of uh, any of the stuff that won't, they won't have fun with. So you you've been running playtests for this one uh, already as well. Yeah, I've been I've run a handful of playtests myself, and then I've got the. Uh, the rules have been in um, playtest, uh, like beta level playtest with other groups where I give the whole manuscript to a group and say, okay, read this. <laughs> Hopefully you can follow it and run the game. Um, and I, I'm in, you know, I've, I've gone through multiple rounds of playtesting like that. It's actually in a round of playtesting right now. Manuscript, other than the adventure kind of outlines that are part of the story, I've written a handful of those for them, people to use for the playtest, but the bulk of the manuscript The rules, the um, the information about the game, the world, um, and the characters is is all written. So I don't think, you know, as, assuming I don't run into any big bumps with playtesting, the Kickstarter is probably not far away. I think I could probably start to pull this together. And I've got an artist and a graphic designer that are working on stuff. Great. I'm actually with my own game. I'm about to move into. I guess it's called beta. Uh, I need to to finish the rules and bring them to a level so I can share that manuscript with other people to to run it. Uh, are there big lessons you've learned going through to that process yourself uh, for a young game designer like me? Not so young. <laughs> young in game design, not um, young in age. <laughs> um, well, uh, you know, everybody's everybody's process is going to be a little different on that and it's going to be, um, you know, it depends on the game and it depends on, like, the play style and the groups that you've got going. But, Um, one of the things that I have found most useful is, um, um, certainly providing us, don't, don't ask for them to just give you your, their feedback, you know, just like, don't leave it open-ended like that. because they, they may not give you, the, um, enough information. They may not give you information about the things you really want feed, feedback on. So provide a questionnaire, provide you know, like a survey for them to fill out. Um, and I tend to have my surveys. Like in the first time the, everything goes out, all the questions on the survey are very general. Like, you know, do the rules read well? Are they intuitive? Is everything clear? Um, how, do, you know, like if there's, a, a, if there's a major subset of rules like combat or social interaction or something like, does this, does this make sense? If there's, um, currencies within the game, like if you spend certain character points, um, you know, some sort of thing, like that are those, you know, were those easy to keep track of? Did you feel you got something worthwhile by spending the points in game? Those, you know, very general kind of dis you know discussions. Um, and then as you go to the next round and the next round, you can start asking more specific questions about like, okay, how did how does the initiative system work? How does um, how do the rules for this monster work? Um, you know, do spells make sense? Like you start to hone in and kind of get narrower and narrower. Um, and then I also like asking. Um, there's a few questions that I try to ask that like I had a friend who designed game designs games and he said one of the things he always liked to ask at the table was there was there anything that got in the way of the fun um, and uh, I always get really interesting answers with that they're they're often very different answers from very di from every group um, and you know you know you have to kind of pick and you know kind of figure out which ones are Uh, like if, if something got in the way of the fun for the group, is that like just a group preference or is it a serious problem with the game? Um, like if you say like, you know, what got in the way of the fun and somebody says combat takes forever. Well, if that's not what you're going for, if you want a game that resolves rule stuff quickly, you know, that's a problem. 
Um, so um, you're not asking them to solve the problem for you. That's your job as the designer, but you're asking like the general question of like, what's the one thing that makes you go, not, not right, not good, not, not as good as it could be. Do you That's a good question to ask? Do you hand that survey alongside the manuscript, or do you wait for them to play and then you share the questions with them? Um, I give that survey to the GM with the manuscript. The players, um, I don't know if the GMs uh, share the questions with the players or not, but I, I always ask the GM to um, to read the questions, the survey before they run. I want them to know what they're looking for. Um, and, you know, early on, like I said, it's usually very general stuff, so it's not that big of a deal. But like when you get a few, a few, uh, play tests in, you might be asking specific questions. Okay. Now, like make a character and break the rules. Like find, find the broken combos, find the things that make the game, um, unfun or, you know, like that will make other players think, well, my character doesn't do that. <laughs> um, you know, to, to get them to, to, to really put it through its paces. And I, like I did that with capers. There was, there was a superpower at one point that was described too vaguely. And I had players that like by the rules as written discovered that you could instantly kill people with it <laughs> by, because I asked them, look at the powers and try to break one. Like, They've, they've played the game enough times to know that there's no such thing as instant kill in the game. Like you always have, there's always a little, if there's going to be a fight, there's, it's going to take a little while. Um, and they discovered, um, a, a, a power where it's like, well, if you do this, they, like the character's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, oh yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> I don't want that happening. Do you still have time to, to play other people's game with, uh, with all that work? I try to, um, The biggest problem I have is finding people, because uh, I'm trying to play other, uh, you know, a, a variety of games. So, like, I've played plenty of D&D. I don't need to play D&D anymore. Will I play D&D sometimes? Sure. But I'm trying to find other things. Um, I've been playing a short campaign of Masks. Um, we're having our last session coming up on Sunday. That'll be the wrap-up to that. That's been a lot of fun. Um, and I had, I had played a little bit of masks once a couple of years ago, and I, I'm only passingly familiar with, uh, the powered by the apocalypse games. I hadn't played them too much, but this is the first time I had to, uh, that I've played more than a one shot where it's been a short, a short campaign. So, so masters inter- I, I do get a chance occasionally. <laughs> so masters is interesting because it's got a, a bit of overlap with caper. So uh, when you were playing it, were you like, oh, I never thought of that, or uh, were there were there things overlap which annoyed you or intrigued you with the, between the two? Well, there's usually like any well written game, and masks is is very well put together. Um. There's usually something in there that like, oh, could I have, you know, taken that and tweaked that and put that into my game? Like, you know, um, because so much of game design is is uh, uh, borrowing and, and twisting, turning and tweaking. Um, you know, the, when somebody invents something wholly new, that's a rare thing. Usually it's like every, every, most people are working on variations of a theme. And so, yeah, there's things in there that... Um, I mean, I think there are things about masks that have to do with, um, not that it would necessarily be right for capers, but for me, like, for example, in masks, the labels, the five traits that your characters has, they're referred to as labels. And because you're playing kid characters, you're like, your 
your view of yourself is always changing and you're always kind of trying on new identities and trying to figure out who you're going to be. So you like literally change your labels and your numbers go up and down. Like one day you might be um, like a, a better savior, a better, you know, better at saving people and helping people. And one day you might be better at just being a regular kid. Um, and so like, that's a, that's a brilliant, brilliantly put together mechanic. Um, so like, will I, will I borrow that <laughs> at some point for some game when it's appropriate, that basic idea? Um, if I find the, the right place for it, yeah, it's, it's good design. What I thought was fascinating with masks is I, I often, for a long time, I thought that superheroes were very difficult to do in, uh, in role playing games. And I, I thought what was smart with masks is that they, they, they did the Gordian knot thing. <laughs> they, they did not break, found the equation for having a power points to balance a speedster versus a, uh, a Nova or Spiderman or something like that. They just said, well, actually, none of that really matters you can still do the fight but what matters is how people feel about what is going on and the, the drama going on between the players and actually it was very interesting to take a topic and actually sideline it but at the same time still stick to the the original material because that's true that when you read the comics uh, there's no there's no balance between the X-Men they got different sets of powers and they do different stuff with them but it, it doesn't really matter the, their powers are mainly what the what the plot requires to be yeah the stories are about their emotions and their relationships with each other um and you know and some allegory <laughs> yeah uh, um about uh civil rights and so forth but um Yeah, that's uh, powered, the powered by the apocalypse games do that really well. Like, in, like you said, in Mask, it's like I'm playing this. I'm playing a, a Janus character, so like a Spider-Man character. He has, he's like, he's like a regular kid, but then he put, puts on the the outfit and he becomes a superhero. And like, I'm looking at like I was asking my the, G, uh, the, the GM about like you know using a power, and and she said I don't care. <laughs> like, does my power do this? Sure, why not? Because that's not the point of the game. <laughs> like, I can mean, I can go ahead and. As long as I'm not trying to like instant win any uh, um, conflict that you come up because you, you know you do need to have a conflict and have it actually be meaningful and have a you know and win a fight um, or lose it. Um, she was more concerned. I was like, you know, it took me a while to to grasp the idea. Like, oh, the superpowers really are just like their flavor. They're 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 a coat of paint on top of uh, your character. Um, relating to each other and figuring themselves out. Uh, I'm very uh, lately I, I've started playing with the, the Gauntlet community and uh, there's someone running and developing a game there I would really like to try uh, it's called Power Beyond Doubt and it's trying to it's trying to take to do the masks thing uh, or the caper thing but with the focus on playing older superheroes so it's more midlife crisis or elderly uh, superheroes uh, kind of crisis and it's more about how you you engage with the your public persona uh, or people take you so apparently you only have two labels which i believe are your amount of power of actual power and how the 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 public perceive you and uh, and actually the the stronger you are the the best you have seen from the public the the biggest the chances of having a a big scandal a big drama with the public uh, are, and it's it looks quite interesting uh yeah there's a lot of good game uh, to to try out there um are there 
comics or movies which especially inspired you for capers and uh and uh, your your games beyond the never ending story <laughs> um well capers was the idea of doing capers came from watching when i was i was trying to figure out what i was going to do for a game and it was i was thinking a supers game i just wasn't sure what type of supers game i knew i didn't want to do just kind of a traditional thing because there's you know there's 50 games that do that um so i wanted something a little a little more out of the ordinary and i was watching boardwalk empire and i started to get intrigued by the idea of of superpowered characters in that era um Uh, I'm uh, I'm a I'm a big horror movie um, fan. I've been a fan of horror movies since I was fairly young. Um, watching them when you know my parents didn't know that I was watching them. The best time um, to watch them. Oh yeah, absolutely. 13 and 14 year old. That's the best the best time for horror movies. If you can get your hands on actual rated R horror movies. Um, and uh, so and and. Uh, Uh, I have there's a, I have a soft spot in my heart, particularly for horror comedies. Um, so uh, I I made a game like that. I I created a game called Die Laughing that is like literally just like my love letter to horror movies in general and horror comedies specifically. So it's the, the game is all about you're playing a you're literally playing a character in a horror story in a horror movie, um, and you're going to die. So make it funny. Um, and by the end of the game, most or all of the characters um, get killed. But when your character is gone, you become a producer on the movie. Oh, and so cool. you continue to you continue to to be part of the story and manipulate what's going on with the movie. Um, and uh, yeah, it was that, that was a challenge for myself to figure out like what to do with a horror story with a horror RPG where you know, what do you do when your character dies? Well, usually the response is, well, you just make a new character. And that kind of removes the sting um, of the death because it's like, well, now I just play somebody else. Um, so I made like, you know, I, I specifically did this like as a as a as an attempt to like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna kill everybody off, and there and nobody's coming back, and we're not gonna let you play another character, but you still have something to do. It really feels uh, the the concept really sounds like. Uh, um Evil Dead from the get-go uh, with uh, so many characters who die or cabins in the wood uh, <laughs> with characters who die but uh, they, they, st they got still have stuff uh, going on there. The, the craziness builds on so you can imagine there's more producers involved. Uh, actually, there was today uh, a friend of mine was asking uh, for for horror movies which were not quite horror but more spooky because she, she's not that much into the, the gore and this sort of thing and uh, it made me realize that we had covered two of them uh, I'm gonna do some more shameless plug for the RPG Academy Film Study so if you have not watched them yet I recommend uh, Delicatessen which I think is somewhat known in the US it's a French movie it's post-apocalyptic but it's very contained and it, it revolves around a a butcher who uh, murders people so he can uh, feed uh, the people living in the building. But it's very... It's the same people who did... Um, uh, what was it called? Um, the, the City of Lost Children. Actually, they did that movie to finance uh, The City of Lost Children. And another one which I really, really recommend if you are into horror comedy uh, that we covered is El Dia de la Bestia 
which is made by a Spanish director called Alex de la Iglesia. And it's, it's a true cult movie in Spain and to a lesser extent, uh, it's, it's quite less known in France and Belgium. But you, you follow a, a priest, uh, so it's gonna be Christmas and the priest worked out the date of the birth of the Antichrist, but he needs to work out <laughs> When the where the Antichrist will be born, and to do so, his plan is to do evil stuff. So he becomes a follower of Satan, and then Satan will tell him, and then he, he can be a turncoat and kill the Antichrist. <laughs> but but it's really it's really in the mood of you never quite know if if he's right and if the people he embarks on uh, are sort of right or if they are just having a, uh, a shared hallucination because they, they took drugs and so on. But it's uh, it's a, it's a very good movie. I find I really recommend it to to the US audience. I mean, I just looked it up. Uh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to check that out. That's oh yeah, really intriguing. Well, you you can check all where I can see it. You can check all episodes about them, uh, especially the. Uh, I'm quite proud of those two. Uh, uh, I put a, a lot of time editing them. Uh, I, there's a little summary of the episode, so there are spoilers in there. But uh, yeah, I put a, a lot of work. Um, uh, do you have anything else you wish to discuss uh, before we we part ways until uh, Nerd Burger Con? <laughs> um uh we we covered quite a lot of what's going on with uh with everything. Um um I will I will say this um and and you know you're working on a game and I know that there are a lot of people out there that uh who play games who have have ideas that they like you know oh I wish you know I wish there was a game that did this or I wish you know I wish this other game had this element to it. Um and um, I'm a firm believer that there's no such thing as too many games that if you if you can think of an idea, there's an audience out there for it. It's just a question of finding them. Um, and you can do that. And we are living in an age when it's easier than ever to make your game, to publish it in some format, if that's just PDF or actually make a book or whatever, um, and to find that audience. So you know, anybody who's listening to this, anybody who plays games, tell your friends to... Um, like take a shot, try to make that game. Like if you've got, if you've got an idea that you think is really cool, there are probably people out there right now who are just waiting for that game. Like they don't know that they want that game or maybe they do and they just know it doesn't exist yet. Um, make that game for them and for yourself. Give it a shot. That's a great finisher. So where can people, uh, find you and, uh, and, uh, yeah, what's your goodbye? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at NerdBurgerCraig. Um, uh, NerdBurgerGames.com is the website. Uh, there's, uh, there's a convention, um, NerdBurgerCon link, uh, and page on the website right now, which, um, and in there, there's a whole list of like the people who are going to be there and uh, some basic information about the convention as well as a link to sign up. Um, the way this is working is anybody who signs up for the convention early, gets um uh an email with information about where to go to sign up for events one day before the public so um if you know you can commit to uh being involved even if it's just to want to play one game or um on, on one day um sign up so that we know you're coming that helps me to plan and you'll get to uh to sign up for events early um and uh for the record we didn't mention it this is all free this is not going to cost you a single 
um, uh, coin or bill. Um, there will be some fundraising things that happen as part of it. Um, but that is your choice, of course. But the, the, the convention itself, everything's free. And, uh, uh, and you can go to drivethroughrpg.com, uh, to, uh, to buy all my stuff too. You can find all the Nerdburger game stuff there. I will include, uh, I will look up a, a series of, of links for NerdburgerCon and your games and include them in the, the description of this episode, both on YouTube and uh, on my podcast feed. So people are, please head to the description uh, and go click there. Uh, hopefully I will be at NerdburgerCon. I will go to, to subscribe, uh, right away. Maybe I will be running some Paris Gondo. Uh, I definitely hope so. And, uh, if not, uh, well, in addition to that, I will also be at the Gauntlet community open gaming days which are just the next weekend so you can have two weekends in a row uh, of online fun uh, thank you very much Greg uh, Craig for joining me and uh, yeah I look forward to uh, to taking part uh, to your con uh, both uh, as a player and maybe a runner of game excellent thank- and thank you for reaching out to me this well, was fun cheers bye bye all logo is designed by Roland Kunz our theme song is Playtime by Jazar, which you can download on the Free Music Archive. A video version of this episode is available on YouTube. Please consider subscribing to our channel there. Leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. If you would like more Café Rollist, you can also get access to our archive of 100 or so additional episodes via Patreon. If you want to be informed of everything released by the Rollist, we have a monthly newsletter for you to join. And if you want to contribute via the chat room to one of our recordings, subscribe to our Twitch channel and social media accounts to be informed of when streams are happening. Finally, links to everything I just mentioned can be found in the description of this episode. Thanks for listening to us and remember you are the realist.